Welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we explore Oscar-winning actors and the embarrassing films they'd rather forget. I am Michelle, uh, the sinister lawyer who you know is sinister because he has a goatee. And I'm Henry, the just southern fried country lawyer with secrets. <laughs> we picked the and same person, but we picked different parts. the best part of the movie <laughs> and also the worst part of the movie. There was not enough Al Pacino yelling and saying things in crazy, uh, with crazy inflection. I was looking and forward to yet, that. And yet it was the thing that was watchable in this movie. Yes. And this isn't even our Al Pacino fucking episode. No, it's not. This is our Anthony Hopkins episode, <sighs> and and he he was fine in He's this. He's fine because he didn't really do. He's he, fine. he didn't even move his face around that much. He basically was placed in rooms and said <laughs> a bunch of bland lines in front of a camera, and then went and cashed a check and probably bought a really nice house somewhere tropical. He was one of several actors who were in this movie, but like. Like, a lot, but barely. <laughs> yeah, that's a good uh, way to put it, actually. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, is the actor of this week. Timely, he he just sort of frustratingly won his second Oscar mm-hmm. for what I understand is a very good performance. Oh, yeah. Just uh, just weird presentation and a weird year for Anthony Hopkins to win it. But, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. like, they clearly scheduled the whole thing around <laughs> it's... giving it posthumously to Chadwick Boseman. And they're like, psych, it's for this old, old man who's already won. Uh, Who also, but he's like actor's actor, like extremely deserving of better, like a better overall treatment at the Oscars too. Like don't set us up for Chadwick Boseman, who we all want and believe is going to win. Yeah. And then at the 11th hour, be like, ha looks like our production team did not coordinate this one. It's a wrap. It's sort <laughs> He's of asleep. fucked over everybody. Yeah. Like, uh, that's just the Oscars for you. Even when they're like doing good, they're doing bad. Yeah, it's just, uh, it is what it is. Um, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Uh, he... Has been nominated six times. Yes. Uh, twice for playing a U.S. president. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. And uh, he played John Quincy Adams in Amistad. Uh-huh. He played Richard Nixon in uh, the movie Nixon. Yes. Uh, and he won for Lecter, for Hannibal Lecter, and he won for uh, this last thing, the, the fu- Daddy. The fu- yeah, Daddy, yeah. Daddy move. Big, 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 da- big Daddy. Big Daddy's big, big Daddy's big movie. Big Daddy's big, 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 big Daddy's dying brain. <laughs> Uh, so I'm introducing a new segment called Actors. What are some things about them? Uh, <laughs> in which I read on uh, <laughs> on IMDb trivia that I find most interesting about that is, of course, user generated about the actor of the week. I like this. Uh, I like this segment. I like it because sometimes we skip over the actor and go straight to the shitty movie and they don't really get their time in the sun. Uh, yeah. So he, we, we want to, we want to shine the light on his pasty skin. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Hopkins has nine trademarks according to the Internet Movie Database. I'm not going to read all of them to you, but I am going to read some of them to you. The first one is hair greased back and bold blue eyes. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> the second is deep smooth voice. Hmm. The fourth. 
uh, the third that is is quiet reserved performances with an occasional and very vocal outburst <laughs> that which... last part is he that is that a thing he does i re- i will definitely second I... that he is a quiet and reserved actor with subtle performances yeah uh, and apparently his last, his ninth trademark is a Welsh accent, which I'm not sure I've ever heard from him. Uh, it's like someone that spent a year abroad, like their freshman year in college, but it's been 20 years since then. And maybe once in a while they'll say Barcelona. Like, <laughs> like that's it. Like you, you right. wouldn't even know. You'd think he was just a, just a guy. He's just, yeah, he's just a guy who has accents sometimes. Actors, actors, if you're not Matthew McConaughey, yeah. your accent cannot be your trademark as an actor. Uh, I guess Sam Elliott also counts. If you're not uh, Sam a like, down-home Western actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other things about Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Michelle, did you know he was born at 9.15 a.m.? <laughs> Thanks, IMDb. <laughs> Where did you find these things? This is the IMDb trivia page for Sir Anthony Hopkins. This is on IMDb? This made the IMDb yeah. list? What time of... The, everything I have told you so far is from the Internet Movie Database trivia for Anthony Hopkins. All right. Okay. Uh, did you know that he... Oh, uh, oh! he has twice played a character who loses a hand by having it severed with a meat cleaver, which, huh. frankly, is kind of interesting. That is an interesting fact. In Titus and Hannibal. Okay, okay. I have not seen Titus. He was uh, considered for the role of Jack Burns in Meet the Parents, which I think is the Robert De Niro role. Oh, my God. very interesting to imagine. Can you even... That would either be the most boring or the most terrifying thing ever. Because in Mm -hmm. order to make that Mm -hmm. anything at all, he'd have to play, like, spooky. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, well, how he'd probably do it is a quiet and reserved performance with occasional (laughs) very vocal outbursts. As it is his trademark. One vocal outburst. Mm -hmm. You can milk me. I've got nipples. And then just... And then just everything else at like a six or like a four. Uh, so those, oh, okay. I think those are the most interesting things about Anthony Hopkins that I have to share right now. I think that he's composed music before. Yes. He's a he composer, right? Composer on I've watched yes. this adorable video where it's, like a, a symphony performance of a piece that he wrote and it's him watching his own piece be performed and it, it's it's like watching oh. a baby with keys being jangled in front of its face he's just like pure elation and it's so <laughs> cute and infectious I'm like oh i kind of don't want to watch them perform this piece i just want to watch him watch them do it it's heartwarming mhm he's he's lovely oh he, he also lovely. apparently uh, one of his greatest pleasures in past years on his frequent visits to the U.S. was to get in a car and drive across the country, enjoying its immensity as well as his own anonymity. Aw. Fucking uh, Internet Movie Database, man. It is a great <laughs> They place. just pulled a quote from some interview that he gave within the last right. 10 years. Like, I like to drive. Uh, I'm Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> what a guy. So, so we watched Misconduct. We watched a movie. I think, called Misconduct. It's, 
I think this was a movie. Uh, I don't think it was a script, but I do think it was a it movie. It was 100% a movie. There have been some movies we made that were not, that we made, that we watched that were not movies. Surfer Dude was not a well movie. With. Surfer Dude was an, a vibe. It was an experience. <laughs> right. It, it was, was kind of like walking into a room where it's just like an ambient sound experience, and that's the art Surfer installation. Surfer an art installation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is a movie with lots of layers. Lot, lots of layers. Like It's just, it's all layers. This movie was, an, was a rotten onion. Uh, so This movie is a kid putting on every outfit and every jacket in his closet, and then just taking <laughs> them off in a family variety show that takes... 90 minutes <laughs> this movie was a kid being accused of stealing something by his parent and then making up answers for why he didn't that layer on top of each other <laughs> until he eventually goes to bed <laughs> yeah and just goes to bed just kind of shuffles out the room they've already yeah. fallen asleep and no one else gives a fuck anymore <sighs> god this movie so i made two flow uh, charts <laughs> one of them is illustrated to. it has little pictures of oh each character God, because i was trying to keep them all straight because they gave a lot of people backstory that i was like oh am i gonna have to keep track of this person now as well and who's related to who and why are there so many um acts of misconduct why are they? and f- and uh just unnecessary flashbacks uh the yeah the sets of the decisions this movie makes. So, this movie uh, was made in 2016. This is a recent Very movie. recent. Uh, it stars Anthony Hopkins, uh, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Duhamel. And jo- yeah, Josh Duhamel is the like main character. Um, uh, and then it's... Yeah, and then there's women who I recognize but don't know the name. Malin or Malin Ackerman, who's I, mostly people would know her from Watchmen. Mm. She's what's her face mm. with the black hair. Right, right. Uh, from the Watchmen, the movie. Yeah, oh right? yeah, not the show. Yeah. Um, Which I haven't seen. I've only seen the show. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, Julia Stiles makes a brief appearance. There's a oh, lot right. of people just Fucking peppering Julia in. Julia Stiles is in this. They don't even advertise her no. in the trailer. She's just suddenly in yeah. it. Yeah, she's just in it, being a strangely kind of good at her job and incredibly bad at her job at the same time. I I still I'm still not entirely sure what her job it's, is. Oh my god. Uh, uh, so this movie it opens on kind of like a one of those like collages of news clips about all the different people who are part of a class action lawsuit against like a big pharmaceutical company because of things. Right, because like they keep dying from this drug. Yeah. Uh, and I guess like spit up blood or something. Like it seems like a pretty bad drug. Yeah. Uh, and it's clear Anthony Hopkins is the head of the pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. And he's walking with his girlfriend. Uh and the girlfriend is like, we let's get away. The girlfriend's much younger than him. Yeah. Uh, let's get away. He's like, I can't get away. I got to go back to the office. Uh, and then, uh, and then she gets kidnapped immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Within like thirty seconds of that conversation, yeah. he's like, just let her walk away. And then it shows him looking at his phone in a different scene a couple of hours later, and it's just a video of her with her face bashed up. Saying, like, yeah. basically, like, give us the money. Yeah. 
and then literally two minutes after that, uh, he's going to a drop-off with snipers on the roof aimed at the people inside an art gallery. Yeah. Uh, he then, uh, we assume he's talking to a kidnapper. He punches the kidnapper in the face. Uh, and then we transition out and suddenly it's a flashback to a week earlier. One week like earlier. Yeah. So he's hired earlier. these, I guess, like private investigators or hostage negoci- negotiators or some kind of specialization. He's like, I tired you so I don't have to talk to the FBI. Right. Even though. Played by Julia Stiles and an actor whose name you never yeah, know. Yeah. So that's why Julia Stiles is in it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now it's back. And now uh, it's like a weird, brief flashback. Absolutely no reason that they needed to include this information in this order. Everything could have just been done, like, in mm-hmm. one contiguous... No, it's... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It could have just been a story. We jumped back seven days inexplicably, and now we're into the part of the movie where it's about Josh Duhamel being a, a good, a well-meaning, but slightly corrupt like lawyer he's like low on the chain at his law firm and he's yeah. i was i would phrase it as ethically shady he's cutting corners uh and also most of his su- trial successes run through a like omnip- omnipotent hacker yeah yeah <laughs> who, who like somehow solves all of his cases by like hacking evidence or something i don't know Stealing. it's never explained he's doing some kind of like yeah yeah ethically shady he's hacking bullshit. Into the mainframe is what he's doing he's hacking the mainframe there's a moment during this movie when he needs to erase uh, all contact that he's had between him and this other person that appears to have almost exclusively happened over facebook and the guy's mm-hmm. like oh you can delete it on your end but there's no way for me to delete it all it's all in a tens of thousands of bits and bytes it's like sir this is your job, and I I will admit this is not my job, but that can't be what that is, right? <laughs> oh, just This movie, made in 2016, has a 1993 level of internet. <laughs> like, its understanding of how internet works, its language around internet is yeah. entirely based in the, like, you fucking, you have NBC Nightly News doing specials on the new World Wide Web and AOL <laughs> dial tones. It's like it's that level of engagement with how the internet your works. information is now in bits and bytes and there's nothing i can do about it like you're but then the next sentence is he's like well i'll get it taken care of in an hour yeah like i don't understand i don't understand it's like he just needed to talk through the problem with himself a little bit <laughs> but once he identified it was bits and bytes we're getting ahead of ourselves though we're getting ahead that's of true ourselves. that's true <clears throat> so this starts with Josh Dumal talking to a co-worker at work about, like, the trouble he's having with his wife, I guess, I and guess. he's working too much. The I'll be honest here. I thought the friend, who has sort of Chris Evans vibes, mm-hmm. uh, was going to be imaginary or, like, Oh, uh, that would have worked. Because at one point, the friend calls Josh Dumal's wife our wife. And I was like, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting <laughs> Easter egg. Uh, <laughs> I heard that too, and I was so interested. Is like, d- did he mean work? Is work their wife? Oh no, he actually meant his living human wife. <laughs> the wife we who share. We meet in the next scene. <laughs> the, the human woman wife that we share. <laughs> I I just figured it was gonna be like a Tyler Durden thing. Yeah. 
Because uh, that's a weird fucking line so weird. to put in a script. Especially but in a movie turns... that doesn't have a lot of weird language or weird phrasing. It's a very dry, copy-pasted from a million other crime thriller type of movie. So that stood out to me. <laughs> it it does. The movie is a fan of the red herring, though. In Yeah. But like also like red herrings that aren't even especially explicable or related to the plot. So that's one. Where it's just like, this character might be imaginary. <laughs> He's not. We learn later. But like, that... So we're dealing with that. Uh, and then we cut to Josh Dumal at home with his wife, played by a cardboard cutout oh, of a woman. Oh my god. I was losing my... She is like a like a human void. She is a charismatic <laughs> black hole where... I am, I I wrote down so many different ways of phrasing. I she seems like someone with a severe head injury, like in every scene. And I had to watch one of the scenes over again. Not only is she talking like when you accidentally you're listening to a podcast and you accidentally hit the speed button and it goes to point five speed, and you're like, huh, this sounds kind of weird. Like the person's a little drunk, and then oh shit, I see what I did. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She blinks mm-hmm. slower than the average person. Everything takes she forever to come blinks. out of her mouth. There is ze- her eyes are glazed over and nothing registers on her face to the point where it's like I think this person has had a cata- catatonic like event. Yeah. She's never explained. Th- I've never I like we've watched a lot of wooden performances in our time. I don't think I've ever watched an actor try less. Or then. try weird. Like, do you think that she's... <laughs> true, do you think Because she can't be like this in real life. And she can't be, like, just bored. Because even if you're a batshit bananas director, you're going to see that and be like, could we just, like, take it up? <laughs> take up the energy? Just, just take, take it from a one to a three at least, please? <laughs> yeah, we need you at least on the board Alice? in terms of human active energy that's just coming out of your face and body. What's her name? And also a, a great thing about this uh, related to the performance is that the first thing you see her doing is drinking out of a coffee cup that says emotionally slutty on it, which is, <laughs> which is the exact opposite. She's an emotional virgin. That's yeah, exactly. I didn't notice that. What a funny props department choice. Was it laying around or did someone make a little like, <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's a nurse. She is, or someone in the medical world. She's wearing scrubs. She's doing something. <clears throat> she's wearing scrubs, and she says she has long shifts, although there's also some, like, contiguity errors yeah. with that in the script, where, like, her shift does not appear to be a nurse's shift. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but uh, I know what you mean. So, but they're struggling because, like, uh, she lost a pregnancy, yeah. as far as I can tell. Uh and so, like, we are introduced in layers to the complexity of Josh Dumal's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's it's very it's it's convoluted to start. We're like twelve minutes in, and we learn that uh, he and his wife uh, are having a rough time because they lost a baby. Also, because she's empty on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's had. Uh, there's a movie where a person's like. Oh, remember when Bart sells his soul in The Simpsons? It's kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. Where, like, 
like she's just like a been hollowed out. Yeah, yeah, like a husk of a person, like mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. like a like some kind of mirage. Like you see it, but then like out of the corner of your eye, it goes away or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, she's sort of shadow boxing. Uh huh. Um, and now, uh, so Josh Dumal, who's happily but not happily married to this zombie, mm-hmm. um, is reconnecting with his ex, who is. Anthony Hopkins's kidnapped girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, then we learn that Josh Dumal is using this omnipotent hacker uh, to hack into the mainframe and cheat to win all of his cases. And then we learn that the girlfriend found incriminating emails. And so she's the person who, like, learned about all the stuff you learned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then they almost fuck, but then he leaves. Also, we learn that she has a fake name. Named Hannah Harlow that never comes back in the plot. It's completely pointless. Totally doesn't matter. It's just She's, to fuck with the neighbor. She, yeah, she has this like secret apartment that Anthony from Anthony Hopkins that Anthony Hopkins clearly knows about. Uh, yeah. She has a secret name that's completely immaterial to the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're also there's some funny shit about this. So like they. Uh, Josh Jamal and the girlfriend, uh, the ex-girlfriend, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Hopkins' girlfriend. They go out uh, to to drinks. And then, like, she brings him back to her apartment. I don't remember the, the auspices for that. Because, like, that's, you know, it's not a... No. It's a dangerous thing to do with an ex. Yep. And she needs him to grab her key for her to open her door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which... I expected to also come back that she can't get into her apartment by herself. (laughs) (laughs) It does not, because it's not the kind of movie this is. It's like, I just wonder how much of it was accident, how much of it was intentional. Was that a was that an onset whoopsie daisy or was it like oh the we need to fix the blocking and the light doesn't hit your face right when you look down <laughs> just cheat it hand the keys to him you need an adult you have no agency over your own apartment she can't reach her key <laughs> she can't like, reach her key she's hidden the key in a place she cannot reach it <laughs> yeah uh, how does she do this every day how does she do how it does she how does she do it all the fucking time? house um. So she brings him into the apartment and tells him about the uh, the files, the like secret yeah. illicit shit that her husband's been, Anthony Hopkins has been doing. And uh, Dennings is the name of Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Josh Dumal says, if Denning finds out you leaked this, you'll be exposed. Yeah. And then she says, in the best writing, yeah. expose what you want. Yes. And then they passionately kiss. She gets undressed. He does not. He, he like, almost has sex with her, but then doesn't and leaves. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he gets home and his wife is there. And, like, they were supposed to do a, a date night. Mm-hmm. But, like, she was going to work a double shift, which for a nurse is 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, but this is also, like, clearly all happened within, like, eight hours Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of the timelines in this movie don't make sense yeah uh yeah and then he uh, he wants to go to bed and skip date night she's like boring a hole into his soul as she stares at him so like 
we're all supposed to be pretty positive that she knows he's cheating, I guess. Yeah, she's boring something. She's boring something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so then he takes his information to the top, to his, mm-hmm. the senior partner at his law firm, which is played by Al Pacino. And the second those elevator doors open and you see Al Pacino... It's like sigh of relief. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm like oh right. There's life in this. Something's movie. gonna happen now. Like there's gonna be some interesting shit in this movie. He, there's gonna be yelling at least. Yeah. There's not any yelling really. I guess a little bit at the end. He doesn't. Qu- and yeah. And the something that happens is Foghorn Leghorn runs a law firm yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Pa- I've never heard Al Pacino do an accent ever that's not in a New York accent. Uh, it took me a little while for my brain to process what was happening to it because I kept being in denial. Like it's only ever Al Pacino playing Al Pacino, either either pretty amped up or kind of hungover. But he's kind of got like this mm-hmm. one guy that he plays on a sliding mm-hmm. scale mm-hmm. of sinister, and it yeah, it's a it's a Nolans man. Yeah, it's I mean he's got a. I, it can only be described as like foghorn leghorn exactly with a goatee. That. It is definitely that, and he does have a but goatee. But still with the, still with the Pacino like oh, but absolutely you combine that with the blah, I do declare well, with his crazy hair that's here. never kempt, even though he's apparently a dignified head of a law firm. I do say, I say, I say, member of the bar <laughs> of barristers here in New Orleans. <laughs> I played Sonny Corleone. Uh, uh, the thing that you have to do to your mouth to make it to make the right noises is something that I just it's job of the I wish it could translate uh, to the audio format. This is so fun to so see. So most most of the scene with Al Pacino involves the discussion of a sixty-eight thousand dollar <laughs> yeah. pen. He is both. I he is. The easiest to convince also, because Josh Jumel gets to his office and he's like, blah, 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 corruption. I've got the files. And then he basically just tells him in like nine different ways. Well, you don't have any credentials. No one knows who you are. You're going to get your life will be threatened. This is a billionaire we're talking about. Uh, You know what? You got me. Okay, I'll work with you. And here's a Mm $68,000 pen. That's yours. Goodbye. Here's here's a pen that costs $68,000. And his explanation for why it costs sixty-eight thousand dollars is that it writes well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, and that its reputation precedes it. <laughs> it's a pen, Al. It was a weird flex, you know. It's, it's the weirdest flex. Interesting flex. Uh, and so Josh Dumel comes home to his wife, who's been cooking. Ugh. I want to talk this about this. This scene is everything. This scene, I had to watch it a few times. This scene <laughs> and the one that immediately follows it are amazing. <laughs> yes. So what do you like most about this scene? I wrote down a couple of things. I like, I like tomato sauce on chest. I like that she seems to have not full control over her limbs. She walks around the room like someone <laughs> controlling her with like a remote control, but who isn't looking right at her. <laughs> and then, and then I like that. Can, I, can, I, can I offer? I like what she's cooking, which is <laughs> yes. which is fucking tomato sauce with nothing in it and thick slices of salami on the side. 
on the side. It's like she approximated the idea of dinner, but she doesn't know what dinner am. Josh Dumont's wife, what are you doing? That's not where salami go. No, and then he wants to take her out. He's like, I just solved this big, like, I just won this big case. Let's go celebrate. Let's not cook dinner at home tonight. And Josh, she's cooking right now. She's, it's too late, man. It's like very close to being finished. It's so rude. This is not how couples work, John. Yeah, I'm you gonna save to you have... the trouble of what you have already done. <laughs> I mean, fair is fair. It doesn't look great. No, he's tired of no. dipping cold cuts. It's like a spaghetti sandwich. <laughs> like it's not yeah. a thing. Uh, and so then I think the next thing that she says to him is, "Should I change in monotone?" <laughs> And he says, no, I think you should go like that, which is just being a dick. And then she Mm -hmm. just looks him in the eye and says, move. And that's the end of the scene. He shuffles out of her way. Uh, Why was that in the movie? Um, But guess where they go instead of going to dinner? (laughs) To like this fucking like Russian mob porn club. Night club. Night club. That could not be louder Uh, and is only for drinks. Yeah, uh, and also for people much younger than them. I don't know how old they're supposed to be in this, but it's not like 23 and wasted on Goldschlager. Yeah. Uh, it's like the so, cast of Jersey Shore should be in the background while they're having date night instead of sp- spaghetti sauce salami night. Yeah. Uh, we did. We missed a scene where we're introduced to the most baffling character in the movie, threatening asian oh yeah but like whose name we never very politely threatening asian man who is later known as accountant right is he is that what he's credited as? yeah oh my god yeah uh so accountant i didn't want to keep calling him threatening asian man but it's just the only way i could describe him he doesn't get oh well you could call him the sick boy because he's a sick boy boy. he's a sick we only learned that halfway through yeah that's true uh and it's barely related to the plot uh so he comes looking for uh, for Emily, yeah. for, uh, for the, the Anthony Hopkins' girlfriend, uh, to her apartment. Mm-hmm. And, and then he is suddenly at the club also. He is. I've been threatening, to Josh, threatening Josh Dumal at the bar. So politely, though. I don't yes. think at any point he... Does he make you feel threatened? He's just kind of a mild-mannered guy who says, I am connected, you should be wary. And then he's like, no, I think I'm good. And he says, if you don't want, if you ever want, if anything should happen to you, you'll never see your wife this happy again. Cut to the most unhappy-looking woman in the whole club, just standing there, (laughs) blank-faced, staring off into the distance. (laughs) Like, do you promise? Having having just met Emily, the ex-girlfriend, Who, uh, accountant is looking for, but does not seem to have found, uh, despite being feet yeah, away literally from literally next to her. Yeah, feet away from so her. So close. Yeah. Uh, so she is now clearly stalking Josh Dumel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all we really get there. Uh, and then we go. But wait, to we're another... gonna have to just oh. dwell in this moment because not yes, only please. does he say the thing about 
You're never, you won't ever see your wife this happy again, which is an insane script choice because we've only <laughs> seen this woman just <laughs> dead-faced. Yes, even that's true. even during like exciting moments. I'm taking you out. Let's go out. Move. <laughs> so then then it cuts to her and she says a bunch of stuff like, "It's okay. I made a friend." And then turns like shining girl style to to show him, "Look, your ex-girlfriend's here." And then she leaves uh Maylin Ackerman leaves and she goes, "Bye. You smell so nice." And then a couple other things come out of her mouth, like, I didn't know that was your type. She's not my type. You're my pipe. She wears a lot of perfume. Th- full <laughs> three-second pause. You gonna ask a girl to dance? And then and then I guess they go dance. But I had to watch it like two or three times because I was like, the length of time it takes for her to get each <laughs> sentence out. I made Jesse watch it with me. Like, does this seem like a person with a severe head injury? He's like, how? How is she blinking that slowly? I don't even know. It's hard to do. Did they slow it down? She blinks like she's trying to hypnotize a snake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this character. Is she doing this to fuck with us? Is this part of it? Is this what happens when you have a miscarriage? Is this like Serena? If you have a miscarriage, you lose your fucking mind. Oh, that's... I mean, that would that would track other movies that we've watched. I have a theory about Emily... Uh, what's the name? Naomi something? Naomi... Uh, uh, the, the woman who plays Emily. Uh, about... Emily oh, oh, Josh- oh, the one who plays, the one that plays his ex, uh, Malin yeah. Ackerman. Malin uh, Ackerman and uh, the Alice, uh, Alice Eve character, mm-hmm. uh, who's the, the wife. I think that what they are is the, uh, the wife character from The Room split into two people. Oh my God. Yeah, that's totally what it is. Because it's the, it's the level of most of the affect. From the wife from the room. Yes. But also, the crazy and like all over the place energy of the wife from the room. Yeah. So if you split those two people, that one person to two people, you would end up with these two characters. Yeah. Basically, they even kind of look like her. Yeah. Half of it is Lisa in the red dress trying to get like vampy and and Mm -hmm. split up and start a crazy love triangle and be like a... An instigator. The other half is the person who just, their mom walks into the room and says, well, I have breast cancer. Okay, I have to go. Bye. It'll probably be okay. Bye. And then it's the end of the interaction. (laughs) Yeah. Someone who needs human lessons and someone Mm -hmm. who has taken... Taken all of the human drugs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, interestingly, the, the scene in the club did not stay with me in the way that the scene immediately after oh, the scene in the club stayed yeah, with me. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh so uh <laughs> Alice Eve is sitting on the floor drinking wine. Mm-hmm. Like you do. Uh and he asked, she asked Josh Dumel why he never mentioned uh Emily. What the fuck is the actress's name? You've told think, me like six I think, times. I think Malin, unless it's Malin, but I think Malin, like like Sarah, like Sarah Palin. Mal- okay. Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman. Great. Malin Ackerman. She's got the Swedish uh, name, y'all. He asks 
uh, Josh Dumal of like why he never mentioned Malin Ackerman. He does not answer. He then says they never talk about anything, especially after the baby. Yeah. She tells a story about when she lost the baby. Yeah. Uh, which is basically like you said that we that it's just the two of us now, and that was great. Weird. Uh, and then we then never says, talked about the baby again after that and day. She, right. And she says they never needed to until now. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> but why? 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 Why now? What am I missing? <laughs> oh, what's happened that's different is that you met his ex-girlfriend. That's all. <laughs> now you need to talk about the miscarriage that you never addressed after it happened to you. You poor broken woman. Oh, my God. That's we also that is the end of the scene. Yep. That's like, a wrap on that scene. Nothing more happens there. In a way that's meant to I think really tie that up with a bow like now you get it. Now you understand where the strife in this relationship comes from. Right. And I have only more questions. Yeah, zero knowledge. <laughs> uh it's I mean just the vortex that is Alice Eve just keeps it's sucking more and more explicable things in. Yep. And then we get a piece of filmmaking. That let me tell you, I fucking love. <laughs> uh, so you see Josh Dumel taking off his glasses and putting on his glasses and taking them off again, writing on camera. Yep. And then the camera pivots yes. <laughs> to Al Pacino doing nothing. And then the camera pivots to Anthony Hopkins reading a magazine. <laughs> and then the camera pivots to the wife jogging. And then the camera pivots to uh, Maven Ackerman getting hit in the face over and over. <laughs> that scene, they used like, I mean, clearly they put everybody in the same room or something. Because they used an effect that makes it look like everyone's in the same room. Mm -hmm. Which is, why? Why, Wh though? Why and why those people doing those, those things. things? Like I get that Emily getting hit in the face is essential to the plot. Yeah, the, as insofar as there's a plot, uh, Al Pacino doing. I cannot stress this enough. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. statuesque. It's so funny. I had to watch it a couple times because I. You get the feeling that this director oscillates between I could give a fuck what the cinematographer does or what anyone does in the scene. I just mm -hmm. want to sit here and get paid. And then having a wild need to introduce some experimental techniques that he saw in a different movie. Because mm -hmm. that is just three people doing nothing. Mm -hmm. I, no, it's four people doing nothing because then it's his wife jogging. Yeah. Cut to extreme action. Anthony Hopkins is just reading a fashion magazine. Yeah, he's reading like, something with a woman on the cover that has nothing to do with the plot, as, insofar as I understand it. Yeah. He also is reading the same magazine later, by the way. Uh, what? It's the one magazine that this billionaire owns. Uh, we... So, then we see, like, uh, Maven Ackerman being... Uh, punched in the face over and over again at, and asking for mm -hmm. it. So clearly she's like trying to get herself beat up. Yep. Uh, so then we, we learn in this scene that she has effectively kidnapped herself. Yeah, staged a uh, situation. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to uh, Al Pacino talking to Josh Dumel again. Uh, 
And I want to say a thing here. So in the first scene, when Al Pacino's like meeting Josh Duhamel, I guess, mm-hmm. he asks Josh Duhamel if he has kids, which is like sort of a, a, a heartfelt moment for Josh Duhamel to like try to be an actor in this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and then flash forward to this scene where Al Pacino recites all of Josh Duhamel's life story to him, including losing the baby. <laughs> A day earlier, he asked him if he had kids. Like, there's just... there, And we, we learn throughout the movie that, like, Al Pacino is omniscient in a way that human <laughs> yeah. beings aren't. Uh, he knows about things that happen that he could not possibly know about. It's true. Uh, but, yeah, it's... I just... I. It's like, did the movie forget that he asked that question? Or is it... Him gaslighting Josh Duhamel, acting like he didn't know. It either could be true. <sighs> Easily. I mean, because the movie's so dumb. But it's also so complicated. <laughs> uh, right, because now we learn that Emily is dead. He goes to check on Emily. Mm-hmm. And she has died from all Lots evidence suggests an overdose. Yeah. Uh do you get anything from that scene that isn't she died of an overdose? She is holding a bottle of pills and she is yes. very obviously non-responsive with like a bloody nose that could also have come from the pills, but it kind of looks like she got her face beat in. So it's like... Right. Well, she did just have her face beat. Yeah. So like, right? I mean, you could assume that she got attacked and then overdosed on pills, but it's fairly clear that the pills are what killed her. And Josh Duhamel's reaction to this, the series of things he goes through, I just absolutely adore. <laughs> this so scene's crazy. He, he finds her. He closes her eyes. Yes. He's about to call the police. He decides not to. He decides to leave. And then he opens her eyelids <laughs> back up. It's also, it's a little thing. But when he opens his phone, it opens to the add contact, like as if he's adding a new contact to his phone, which is just like a, you didn't have to. There's a different screen for the thing you're trying to do. <laughs> add contact, 911. I'm going to need this later. Uh, it reminds me of that... Um, What's that old music video? I think it was like a Kelly Rowland music video where she opens up her BlackBerry to text someone and it's it's very clearly a spreadsheet. <laughs> Have you seen this? No. It's the song she did with Nelly and I remember there being a moment where she like goes and checks her phone and someone freeze framed it. It's like you can find it places on the internet because it's definitely like uh, it's just a spreadsheet. <laughs> Is that always on time? Um... It's no matter what I do. Oh, yeah, right. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep, it's it's uh, worth looking up because it's very funny. But this this is not that extreme. It did make me giggle though. Like, but why? Phones phones all work the same way now on all the things. Yeah. Well, remember, internet from 1993. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bits and bytes. Set in 2016, so you have all the tech, but you don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh. I, just, I can't get over the opening her eyelids back Why up. Why did he like, open them up? It is the craziest decision. <laughs> it's unnecessary. You can be dead with closed eyes. Like, is is he worried about fingerprints on her eyelids? And if so, what? 
how Why touch them touch again? Touch them a second time. Yeah, because he wipes his he wipes his fingerprints off of her phone that he yeah. picks up to call nine one one or enter it as a future contact, and then and then cl- opens her eyelids back up as if that creates a more realistic crime scene. Yes. I love it. Uh, I love it. I love yeah. that she can't find her keys when she gets home every single time. She can't reach her keys when she gets home every single time. I love that dead people need their eyes open. It's alien. It's so good. Alien shit. It's so good. Uh, so he then leaves. The neighbor sees him. Yeah. Uh, and he gives like the flimsiest explanation for why he's there. Mm-hmm. He basically says, I came over to not murder this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm married. I promise you. I had to get my phone. Also. And she's super alive in there. Like, just don't even trip. She's the most alive you've ever seen yeah. in person. Yeah. She's really uh, sleepy. She's going to be sleepy for a while. <laughs> she's so sleepy these days. Uh, <clears throat> he, <laughs> he then goes... This is where I sort of like wasn't able to take notes because I didn't know exactly what was happening on screen. Yeah. Because uh, it's jumping around a lot. Uh, we have some time with his wife, who's also just like still walking wounded. Yep. Uh, and Emily calls him. Emily's phone calls him. Mm-hmm. And he. He, again, does the most suspicious thing you could possibly do, Mm -hmm. which is answers the phone and says, who is this? Uh, And then as as though, like, if you didn't know she was dead, you would just say hi. Emily." (laughs) Yeah. This man went to law school. This man's the best. Yeah. Yeah. and then, oh, and, and then the, the guy yeah. on the other end says, why did you pick up? Which is a great question. Mm-hmm. There's different points mm-hmm. in the movie where someone points out how dumb he's being. Yeah. And he actively ignores it. Like uh, like when his buddy is like, hey, your ex-girlfriend hit you up and gave you all this information about this shady case. Doesn't that strike you as a little suspicious? Shouldn't you maybe be worried about whether she's setting you up? And he's like, Bye. <laughs> is the movie... you're made up anyway i'm pretty sure you're imaginary uh go home to our wife also it just occurred to me that the accountant is who calls josh dumel mm-hmm. why does the accountant call josh dumel what is the purpose of that phone call on the accountant's end okay i think i figured it out so later okay. when he's in the church and he's like trying to basically killed Josh Jumel and his wife. And then he says, why did you kill her? Because he, Josh Jumel thinks that this accountant killed, uh, killed his ex. And he says, I didn't kill her. I just moved her. So he has moved the body. And then I rec. Yes. But why did he call Josh Jumel? Is it because he, he's trying what? to set him up, right? Because then the cops get called right afterwards. Yeah, but why did he call Josh? Like, what part of the setup requires calling the person you're setting up? <laughs> I feel like he was just trying to get him on the seat at the scene of the crime somehow. Because then the cops show up right after that, right? When he goes to tend to her body. Yes, he does go back to his house. So is he just trying to lure her, 
him in. But no, he would have gone back to his house anyway. Because he's house there. So yeah, you're yeah. totally right. <laughs> there's just there's like no absolutely no earthly reason to call the person That's you're setting so up for murder. Yeah. Uh so he gets home. Emily is uh you know, Maeve uh Maeve Ackerman is dead in his bed. New Orleans police department's at the door. The movie's coloration changes dramatically and suddenly it's much darker. Yeah. Uh, and as the police are coming in, uh, from every angle, yeah, like he SWAT like jimmies a window open and just walks away from his house, but not before, I guess, cutting a three inch hole in his abdomen <laughs> so... on the window, the base of the window, the window cell. What is his window? And there's like, I think they do have some Foley work where they like, Dub in the sound of fabric ripping. Yes, but like he walks, it rips a three-inch hole in his abdomen that he then super glues shut. I don't think that's how you keep your insides. Like Anton Sugar style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets to go to a <clears throat> a drugstore and get himself some super glue, and then he's and then for the remainder of the movie, he's wearing a sketchy black beanie. Uh, to indicate the, that he is now ske- on the run. He's n- sketchy boy on the run. <laughs> he he also the the imaginary <laughs> friend shows the, up too and gives him a gun. He takes be the beanie on and off regularly. Imaginary friend shows up, gives him the gun, says you shouldn't use this gun and you shouldn't have this gun. And Josh Duhamel's like, "Thanks, you're a good friend." The guy's like, "I know I am." And that's our interaction with imaginary friend. Uh, imaginary friend then goes to the wife, uh, who's being interviewed by Julia Stiles and the uh, the nameless assistant. This is the only and, scene that fucks with the idea that he's imaginary too, because up until now, I do not believe uh-huh. he's interacted with anyone else. That's true. It is it is how we learn that he is a, a real corporeal human man. Uh, Julia Stiles says, "If you turn your husband over to us." We will cover your legal expenses. <laughs> and what's confusing to me is why she would have legal expenses. Like, she's just a woman. She's just... She's... There's no, she's, she she's not, at this point in the movie, she's not. She hasn't been charged with anything. She's literally just trying to put the pieces together. And she's sitting there looking quite, quite overwhelmed. I guess. Yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah. she's looking extant. She exists. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's breathing she's breathing for sure. Yeah, yeah. She is blinking sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not enough. Uh not enough. He so then uh we have another couple of experiences with the accountant, the threatening Asian man. Uh who at this point we haven't learned he's an accountant. I, I I'm going to stand my ground that he's basically presented as threatening Asian. Yeah, man. he's just He a goes guy. into a church. He coughs up blood. <laughs> yeah, uh, I forget that they introduced this this late in the movie. <laughs> it's and all like, and that's all you it get. Doesn't matter. He just walks into church and coughs up blood. There was a moment where I was wondering if they'd introduced a new character because <laughs> yeah. this was the moment that I made the chart of all the people because I was like, oh, oh, now this guy has his whole own thing going on that involves him maybe not making it to the end of the movie. Is he part of the class action lawsuit? Are there going to be more people I'm going to have right, to keep track they, of? Because they talk about somebody spitting up blood in the very beginning. Yeah. So I assume maybe, yeah, that's we're like learning about the people in the class action lawsuit. No. No. It's just the accountant uh, who then. <laughs> he's, just, shortly thereafter, he's just sick 
in his own unique way. Yeah, and he he ride he then rides a motorcycle at Emily's neighbor and tries to kill her by pushing her into a car window. Yeah. Uh and she goes to the hospital and Josh Dumel tells his wife over a cell phone to kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, there's and a then, there's a great line of dialogue where he's like, "Are you sure? Are you sure he she knows who I am?" And she goes, "Her name is Emily Amy Campbell, and someone has massacred her." Ben, okay, you can't just use words however you want. <laughs> can can you massacre one woman? <laughs> can a man on a bike massacre one woman in in the road? Is that how massacre I, works? I mean, it's possible. Don't I thought I thought massacre was many many women. I well, I think Don Corleone does say that they massacred Sonny, that they massacred his boy. Oh so I man, think there is cinematic precedent. Okay, okay. For somebody saying, got it, that they've been massacred. Now I will not go and defend the line read or the line by any stretch of the okay, imagination. Okay, there's some precedents. I thought that was a hilarious alien moment where it's like <laughs> fair it's only ever used to describe many many human people. Uh this is also the point where the like inexplicable legal stuff happens, right? Yeah. Where like Foghorn Al Pacino and Anthony Hopkins talk at each other for a while and then Anthony Hopkins says I'll give you 400 million dollars. To buy back the evidence, I guess? Including the evidence you probably stole. And it's like, well, bitch, if he stole it, he's not giving it back. He's going right. to gonna keep stealing it. He's a stealer. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just a boring scene for two older Oscar-winning actors to stare with furrowed eyebrows at each other from across a boardroom table. Mm-hmm. And it's just and that yeah, for, for a little while, and then it's not that anymore, and it's the next scene. For Al Pacino to, like eat the scenery like he hasn't had scenery for his entire life and it's his only food and for anthony hopkins just yeah just nibble just yeah. just sort of squirrel like nibble at it every now and his then. his presence is like a low hum uh yeah and then josh dumel after telling his wife to kill this woman she's about to kill this woman who then suddenly dies anyway coincidentally just just as the wife is about that to That was insane. Her. I thought that I missed a moment because she's got she's about to go lethally inject this woman who's in a coma mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. at least in some form unconscious and then right before she goes to insert the needle this woman just dies anyway. Why movie? Why? Un- Why movie? Com- completely unnecessary. Also, the accountants there also don't know why. Completely unnecessary, completely inexplicable. Yeah, he doesn't do and anything. He doesn't do anything. He just He's watches all the things. He he comes with balloons and he throws the balloons away, and that's <laughs> that's his involvement in this. Uh huh. Why is he trying to kill the neighbor? Yeah. Why doesn't he? If you're going to stage someone's murder, the neighbor saw. Can place Josh Dumel at the scene. Yeah, you don't have to do weird shit like call him and lure him back to his own house that he's definitely going to be at in an hour anyway, you weirdo. You you could just let the chips fall where they may. Clearly someone spotted him at the scene of the crime and he's like the most incriminated. Just let it all work itself out, right? Yeah, 
Well, and then to kill the person the only- that spotted the person you're setting up at the scene of the crime, the only witness <laughs> to his presence there. It's so stupid. It it feels like it feels like someone writing a line of dialogue and then hitting backspace and then just doing that, but you're watching the process make a movie. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, indeed. So Josh Dumel then goes and breaks into Anthony Hopkins' house in the black beanie. Yeah, he, like, shoots the butler, and now he's in the the house. He's pointing a gun at Anthony Hopkins, and Anthony Hopkins gives a monologue that is a series of words. Ugh. That I'm going to read. Yeah. And I want to give credit where credit is due. As far as it goes, Anthony Hopkins does sell this dialogue. It's not for a high price. It's not worth much. But out of his mouth, it doesn't sound like the doo-doo nonsense gobbledygook that's going to sound like coming out of mine. True. You know what? It would it would look really good if you didn't speak English. Yeah, right. it's a translation of a different language through Google Translate. Because he looks like Anthony Hopkins just line reading something. It could be anything. Yeah. And it's it right. looks pretty decent on screen. And then it, it just sounds like a, like a hacky, like someone, baby's first script. You're married. And you get involved with an ex-lover who you must know wasn't too tightly wrapped. Not playing with a full deck of cards, as they say. With deep mental and emotional disturbances and issues, and all that googly we talk about, <laughs> you get involved. Doctor Evil. You get involved because you want to shine in court. Probably fill some gigantic hole in your dreary, insipid, lackluster life. Those are three adjectives. You you know you knew the risks, but you proceeded anyway. It rained and you got wet, and I have no sympathy. Now that you are down the rabbit hole, the only question I have is how far you are willing to go to get out. Like the man said. It's better to go too far than to not go far enough. Stalin. (laughs) Stalin. (laughs) None of it literally means anything. (laughs) No. Literally doesn't mean anything. In context, it means absolutely nothing. It doesn't sound like it is anything. I mean, what? But someone wrote it down, so... I just, they thought it meant something. For sure, they thought it meant something. They, yeah, that's my question. Is like They thought it meant something. And I'm I'm not a stupid person. Like I should be able to... I spent a lot of time trying to figure this movie out. Henry, multiple flowcharts. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a lot of arrows, a lot of character descriptions, a lot of who's related to who and trying to parse <laughs> it all out. I don't know. You're Charlie in the mailroom over this movie, and you'd have I to totally be. Charlie'd out. I, this way. is a Pepe Sylvia moment that just never quite came to fruition. And I don't know what he means by digging himself deeper to get out. And I don't know I don't, what he means by you got yourself wet. He didn't <laughs> kill her, and she didn't yes. suicide at him. I don't understand. Yeah, none of it means anything. <laughs> Nothing did anything uh, to it. It's a lot of disconnected nonsense that somehow all coincidentally happened together in this movie, right? It must be. Mostly. There's there's also a thing that Josh Dumel does immediately after the scene. So inside the house, Josh Dumel is he's got his regular hair. He is not wearing a beanie. 
Yeah. In the next scene, he re- he is walking away from the house and removes his bean, which means that that he had this confrontation with Anthony Hopkins, punctuated it by putting his beanie on anger beanie and then, <laughs> angrily, anger beanie and then left the house <laughs> and then removed his beanie because it no longer was necessary now that he's outside. He had to trap his feelings in there. <laughs> thoughts got too crazy. He had to bottle them up. And so he's now beanie-less again outside the house and the accountant rolls up on the motorcycle, does donuts. Does so many donuts. It looked so cool. <laughs> bikes away. And Josh Jumal just runs after him. <laughs> Why does he run after him? All that he saw there was a man on a bike doing donuts. And and then Ugh. he runs after him. How much did the, you want how much did you want the accountant to pull off his helmet and have it be the ex-girlfriend? I was I wanted something. I was I, wanted I was like anything. please, it makes no sense, but just please, any reason for him to be doing these donuts and for him to be chasing after him, it just it just ends in a different scene. Why the weird blackout helmet if you're not going to have a reveal with it? I don't know. It's like, it's very like, obviously got to be this guy. Otherwise, what the hell? And I also, mean, why would you just chase a guy because he's on a motorcycle showing off his amazing wheelies? <laughs> God, he, I mean, they paid the stunt people, right? Like, the, those people got paid and had a fun day. Like, those people probably had the best time on set. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, they're the only people doing anything visually interesting in the movie. They're the only people Absolutely. displaying a skill. Right. On they're the only screen. Who contributed, who contributed something of value yeah. to the movie, to the world. Uh, and I'm grateful mm-hmm. for both of the members of Daft Punk yeah. for being this. <laughs> they split the difference, yeah. <laughs> they just. That's, I mean, that like he is dressed as Daft Punk. He's Daft in Punk. This. And so after Josh Dumal runs after him, and he pauses, does another several donuts yeah, and wheelies, Josh Dumal walks up to him, we have a standoff, and then suddenly Josh Dumal is on the ground in, a, in church. a church with a big hole in the floor and his wife is tied up. We have received no information as to how. There's, they don't... It's a little bike, you know, and he's a little accountant. Like, yeah. so he conceivably hoisted... a pretty tall man onto his bicycle and made he also removed that man from consciousness yeah this who was carrying a gun <laughs> yeah that's true he had he very obviously had a gun they made a point to show you the gun he never uses gun but he does get knocked out by a little guy on a little motorcycle who has displayed no physical prowess except letting no nothing about him physically is known except that he is a sick boy who bleeds out and, of his nose. And a sick motorcycle stuntman. Yeah. Oh, so sick. So then Josh Dumel asks the accountant, why did you kill Emily? Mm-hmm. The accountant says, as you said, I didn't. I moved her. Mm-hmm. Josh Dumel says, why? Yeah. And the accountant says, you really don't know? As though we all should have figured, figured out, it out this completely 
asinine, Byzantine, inexplicable set of decisions. Really roundabout uh, ways to do absolutely anything or get in your own way. And right, three different times. And then he just stabs the wife in the chest. <laughs> yeah, it's so shitty. It's so shitty. And he like, yeah. It's not a torture scene. He just kind of stabs her. She does what she does best, which is quietly breathe. Yes. Um, in a different, <laughs> like, it, now it's in a horizontal position, but she's just mm -hmm. still dead-eyed. <laughs> still alive, dead-eyed. Right, she's really, she's approaching her truest form. She is, she is. <laughs> yeah. Um... Are there other mysteries in this scene? I'm trying to remember. So then, well, he doesn't know what's happened, but he kills the one person that knows. Yep. Uh, he because he he murders the accountant. Uh, I guess he just kills him. He just so kills him. It's, he just it's not he in cold does blood. some punchies and he kills him. Yeah. Uh, and then we later find out that he stole his laptop that has. All of the records. Yeah, they give you that information in a throwaway line of dialogue. Like, by the way, I have everything that ever needed to be obtained to understand all of it. Right. Good. So then he calls his omnipotent hacker friend, uh, who is he's the fucking star of the movie for me. Yeah, like he he's is, a good boy. He's doing great. Uh, and then Josh Duhamel walks into the fancy restaurant that Al Pacino is sitting at. And he looks like a cat burglar corpse who is just dragged through the sewer and then through a set of bramble bushes. He's so injured. He has so many wounds on his face and body. And he's he looks like a cartoon cat burglar. And he sits down in what is effectively like the French laundry. And at one point, a waiter does come up and say... Sir, is everything okay? But he did walk straight into this yep. and sit down. While Al Pacino uh, orders a cream soda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I forgot about the cream He's soda He's really thing. big on this cream soda thing. Like, yeah. the first scene that you see him in a restaurant, like, don't, don't let, I don't think I forgot that you never brought me my cream soda. And then cream soda. But I don't want it but anymore. But I don't want it anymore. Just, uh, just gotta be some ad-libbing. And then we've, we... We learn that it's Al Pacino who's done all of these things. Uh, it's like a very James Bond villain-esque scene where he basically just spells out everything that he's done and then dies. Yes. There are some things that happen between that, between those two moments that I we have to talk about. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Josh Dumel says to Pacino, I killed somebody because of you. And Pacino says, you did that on your own. Uh, he, so Josh Dumel just moments ago killed the accountant. Is the and only Al Pacino person already knows. Or Al Pacino somehow already or knows. he's super unfazed by anything. Whoever yeah. it was and whatever it was, I don't care that you did that on your own. Uh, and then Josh Dumel, cuts some of the dialogue, says... I didn't kill Emily. And I had to rewind this, the line that Al Pacino <laughs> says a couple of times. But Al Pacino says, any lawyer, and a lawyer will tell you it doesn't matter what is, it's what is looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I, in the subtitles, 
that makes a little bit more sense because is is in quotation marks, <laughs> but you didn't have to write the line that way. It's not read. It's like it's not meant to be read by most people. It is meant to be listened to. And what you just said is, it doesn't matter what is, it's what is looks like. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's on Frozen Caveman Lawyer. It's what is looks like. <laughs> you know when you have done crime and crime is happening, you have happened to crime no matter is, what do. Is man crime What who matter does? who know and what do do. <laughs> Cream soda. I'm having a minor <laughs> series of strokes. Oh, man. Uh... And then we get to the longest fucking standoff scene in the history of mankind. Well, that also has one of the best, like, madcap Benny Hill moments that leads up to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. So, like, this entire time, by the way, while they've been talking, uh, police lights are very obviously outside and the police are closing in. And it's a big restaurant, so that's a lot of cops. Mm-hmm. Uh so there's absolutely no doubt in anyone's mind that he's about to end up in handcuffs. They, they're pretty slow with those cuffs, aren't they? They're pretty slow. They sure are. So he's, he's being like slowly lifted up <laughs> from the table by a police officer. Josh Dumel throws the $68,000 pen at Al Pacino, mm-hmm. who then like <laughs> does a weird juggle thing in the air and use this opportunity to steal yeah. the police officer's pistol. <laughs> the Visually, it is impossible to follow. Like, an erratic meth addict on every drug known to man could never have pulled off this level of energy and, and ninja prowess that Al Pacino and his shambling foghorn leghorn it- body manages to pull off in this scene. It's great. It looks like when a cat is like walking along a fence and then like gets its balance off and it sort of scrambles off. Like it's that level of chaotic hand energy. Yeah. Uh, It's as if all that happened, but then the cat appears just further down the fence and like it with a gun. Like a little bit of gun. (laughs) And he points the gun at Josh Dumel's neck. Yeah. and, And gives this like big stupid chewing incomprehensible monologue about doing the wrong thing for the right it doesn't fucking matter and he says stuff like laws aren't real nothing is real laws are i can't remember laws are lies yeah it's it's nothing it's It's a bunch of words that are nothing. no it's a mad lib and then he shoots himself yeah uh and then we get another fucking flashback to Pacino on the cell phone talking to Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah. This seems so stupid. And then he gets on an elevator and talks to the accountant who tells Pacino he's dying. Pacino then also knows that. Yes, I know. <laughs> the, the accountant says, I went to work for you because I thought we both wanted truth. And... And Pacino says, like, truth's not the law or whatever. It's, what? Yeah, there's uh, the truth. Blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't explain any of If it. anything, this made me more confused. This scene, like many of the scenes, but especially this flashback right at the end of the movie, 
doesn't answer a single question. It makes me wonder, like, oh, was I supposed to understand something about the accountant's relationship to Al Pacino, and this helps? But now it's clear that they know each other, that they work together, that one of them is sick, and that might have something to do with things, and then they're just going to, like, oh, it's going to walk away yeah, from that that's scene. That's it. That's the, that's the explanation. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have more questions? How about you shut up? <laughs> so, shut up and stop asking. Movie's over. So before... Before we get to the big twist, the, uh, why did Al Pacino frame Josh Dumel with the accountant? Why did he do this thing? I don't... What does he stand to gain? Do you realize that all of the problems in this movie could have been solved if he had just said, I do not wish to work with you on this case, Josh Dumel? Then he would have gone quietly away because he had no resources. Correct. So instead, he says, no, sir, I'm going to entrap him? I'm going to frame frame him him for for murder murder that I know is going to happen? That's the other thing. The fucking, like, Emily ex-girlfriend character is just a fucking wild card. Like, the whole time. She's still alive at this point. Yeah, like, she's very much alive and just being a little nutsy and, like, gonna try to frame her own kidnapping, which Pacino does not know about. Yeah. Because Anthony Hopkins doesn't even know for sure. He supposes that it may have happened by the end of the movie. (laughs) But it's still a guess. (laughs) Yeah. And so Al Pacino hires his accountant (laughs) to, to frame... Josh Dumel for a murder that hasn't happened yet. Oh, my God. And then gets the accountant to inform Josh Dumel <laughs> that he's being framed and then kill the, the witness. The sole the witness. <laughs> <laughs> because they believe in truth? Yeah. What? And then, and then kill Josh Dumel's wife and Josh Dumel was the plan. And then bury them in the middle of a church. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's like this little exchange between Al Pacino and Anthony Hopkins that's enough. It's like the equivalent of How's the Weather, where he just says, like, I will work together. I'll take care of things. And Anthony Hopkins just says, all right. <laughs> like, d- are they paying you by the word? So you had to get more of them in. <laughs> it just didn't. It, it, you just watched. You just no watched a man kill himself. <laughs> there hasn't been that much action in quite a while. You kind of have to follow it up with either credits or something right. more exciting, or at the very Not, least, gotta slow it down. With a flashback. With a flashback of three men who know each other a little bit, who are planning on doing probably something. Goodbye. Who have vague contractual relationships with one another. Amazing. Uh, And then Josh Dumel is packing up his apartment. Mm -hmm. And he finds a pillowcase. Well, first, he's talking to his imaginary friend. Yeah. And says, I'm moving a couple of hours away. We can FaceTime on weekends. He says, don't be sad. I'll miss you, too. We can FaceTime on weekends. I assume he's talking to It's like how you talk to your mother. Yeah, it's definitely his imaginary friend, Chris Evans. Yes, it is. But 
he's he also like you, FaceTime on weekends? I, this is so weird. He also says I will only be a couple of hours away, but we will FaceTime on weekends. Right. Like, he's he lives in the south. A couple hour drive is not... No. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, he's packing his apartment, and he finds, like, a throw pillowcase full of clothes. Uh-huh. And he smells the clothes... And then he sits down crestfallen. For a very long time and from very far away. To the point where he's got this gray amorphous blob of clothing in his arms. And he's having Mm -hmm. an extreme emotional reaction to it that I can't really see because we are outside the apartment looking in through the window. So it's unclear what's going on. You just know that he's sitting there crestfallen with a lump of gray Mm-hmm. And then he walks through his house and the camera tracks from outside. And then we're in the other room where he's talking to his wife, who's acting very eerie, moving like robot. Yeah. yeah even, even less affect than usual. Yes. Which is like approaching negative affect. Like she's actually like sucking personality out of other people around her. Yeah. Uh, and he says these clothes smell like Emily's perfume. Yep. Do you, uh, first off, are they Emily's clothes? I don't are they, know. Are they the wife's clothes? I don't clothes? know. Because presumably she has done laundry. What this movie did that I think is really bold and brave <laughs> is that instead of creating like an iconic clothing item that one of the two women would have been wearing in a scene, like a red shirt, and then, uh-oh, <laughs> it shows up later. This movie did, it did what it did. <laughs> To every th- the other thing about it was that it turned it into an amorphous gray blob. <laughs> not just that. Not just that. That the clue is smell. The one <laughs> sense that you can't get from a movie. It's the, o- it's, it's the only thing that you couldn't have deduced on your own as a viewer because you don't have the sense. You don't have the capability. Oh, my God. It, it doesn't even... Here's how little they want you to know about the thing that's happening. You don't even see what kind of clothing article it is at any point. He doesn't even hold it up to reveal dress or pants or socks. You just see blob and then carrying of blob and then smell blob, sad blob. And then she says (laughs) that she murdered Malin Ackerman in her house, shoved her on the ground because she was in a jealous rage over the fact that she, that she existed. Yeah, that Josh Duhamel used to date somebody. Yes, the else. fact that she existed necessitated necessitated the talk about their um, unborn child, and also yep. a murder. Mm-hmm. So all it takes mm-hmm. is meeting someone that someone used to date once in a loud club. People are on edge, you know. Yeah, we all we all have a breaking point. She's broken, and me. the wife's breaking point uh, is. Anything. Anything. Uh, so she, uh, she killed Al, uh, Malin Ackerman by pushing her down and hitting her head on the table. Yeah. Malin Ackerman has no evidence of a head injury. None. That's fine. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, this is a blonde woman. Like, you would see a big pool of blood on her if blonde head. If that's what head. killed her, it would most likely be pretty 
obvious that she died of Very a clear. traumatic head injury. If if mystery shows have taught me anything, it's that head injuries at least have some evidence on your head. <laughs> uh, she says, I thought if her heart stopped beating, then mine would stop hurting. Yeah. It kind of did. Uh, <laughs> which is like both one of the worst and better lines in the movie. Yeah. And then Josh was like, okay, I'm just going to pack up then. He says, and well, we've got the- a busy day ahead of us. I'm going to go finish packing. And he walks out of the room. And as you may have guessed, the credits roll. It's <laughs> the end of the movie. It's the end of the fucking movie. It's the craziest thing that happens. It makes absolutely no sense. It happens about 15 seconds before you're meant to have left the theater. And mm-hmm. it's basically just like, hey, guess what? Um, fuck you for coming to see our movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, God. I mean... <clears throat> Like, watching it back and watching her dead-eyed performance, like, it would be cool if this was this intentional choice where she was unhinged and, like, a sociopath the whole time. But they don't give us the clues to know that. This isn't, like, mm-hmm. a Serena mm-hmm. situation. Well, no, it's kind of like a Serena situation. And It's all a little... There's a little Serena in every bad movie. Yeah. Hollywood's made a decision about what happens when you don't have a baby. <sighs> Dudes love writing movies. <laughs> God, it's very bad. It's so bad. The thing about this movie is, like, usually when some really good actors with a lot of accolades make a shitty movie, it's either because they owe someone a favor or they're getting Mm -hmm. a big paycheck. Mm -hmm. But this was directed by a first-time director Mm -hmm. who basically did nothing but some TV writing and, like, helped produce The Grudge. And then... Yeah, it's all horror movie people. All the writers are horror movie people. Yeah, the writers are, like, kind of... Like B grade horror movie people, and then the movie was made on eleven million dollars. So it was made on a wind and wing and a prayer. Like, yes. in what way? What happened? What happened? It's a good point, and there's like no trivia. Yeah, about this movie. I thought maybe there'd be an interesting twist. Like, oh, did you know that so and so is Anthony Hopkins' son-in-law? Like, yeah, okay, right. that checks so- on out. Like, something. doing a favor, but. Something. I just, I can't for the life of me figure out. Also, like, this script looks, had to have looked worse on the first read, right? <laughs> like, this didn't get better with, it got better with revisions. It couldn't have been, like, like chewed up and spit out to be like this and looked great on its first iteration. So what the fuck? Did everyone just sign on without reading it? I feel like the only way this makes sense is if you, like, parent trapped Al Pacino and Anthony Hopkins into the movie together (laughs) where it's like this is your opportunity to work with Al Pacino this is your opportunity to work with Anthony Hopkins and like without ever telling them much about the movie or the script until they've both committed and then you just like slowly back away and hope that Al Pacino's zero standards for movies these days and Anthony Hopkins is like willingness to be in basically anything good or bad Uh uh, will produced this and it did yeah it did uh, it it was that scene they're only really in like one and a half scenes together and it's that scene where they're litigating who's gonna get like what cat class action settlement they yeah. do really pause on these two men just looking each other in the eye and kind of kind of nodding mm-hmm. like well we we did it here yeah. we are this here is here we why. are meeting for the first time this is why <laughs> 
It's baffling. This movie's bad in a very different way than many of the movies that we watch are bad. It's just bad in a, in a um, for the first 20 to 30 minutes, I think I'm dumb. And then I realize that, of course, movie is dumb. Movie very dumb. I, yeah, this movie was so difficult. Mm-hmm. So difficult. God, it, I, it tried so hard. That's the problem, too. It wasn't like, um, <clears throat> it wasn't loud, flashy, and stupid. It just tried really hard to be wordy and convoluted, which is a really sad yeah. combo. Yeah, it, like, it had a lot of the same Serena problems. And some of, the, like, Head in the Cloud problems where it's like, it's not outlandish mm-hmm. moment by moment. It is outlandish when you zoom out. Yes. Uh, but unlike Head in the Clouds or Serena, there's no good acting in it of any form. And we haven't learned anything by the end either. There isn't like a... There's no reveal. Why? Like why? Why any of it? Why all of it? There's nothing to it. It's all... The reveal is like the movie dumping a bucket of black paint over your understanding of anything. Yes. Like it's just... It just gets murkier. It's true. Yeah. It's just... uh... Yeah, it's a lot of like, look over here, just kidding, look over here, just kidding. I ran out of time and I did not finish this movie. I have to go. Uh, so we've had a couple of bad runs of plat keywords, mm-hmm. but this one this one does deliver. Oh, yeah, and there's in boobies in this curious. one, so I'm sure that made the list in like within the first two words. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to... I'm just going to read down from the top. Let's do it. Uh, the The first one is pharmaceutical company. <laughs> that's that's a fitting plot keyword. Yes. This is a movie about a pharmaceutical company. Accurate. The second plot keyword is photo. <laughs> the, and then I'll skip over a couple of them, but girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, lust, sexual attraction, nipples visible through clothing. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Took a while, though. Blonde. Yes. Girl in panties. Yes. Scantily clad female. Tied feet. Tied feet. Tied feet. (laughs) Okay. Black panties, of course. Yep. Uh, Female removes her dress. Female removes her clothes. Yes. (laughs) I mean. I mean, yes. uh, Cleavage, panties. Security guard, bruised face, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, laptop, settlement, yeah. dead, pills, disco, suicide. Uh, disco? Disco, yeah. <laughs> it was like uh, a, an, an old lady from the 70s trying to figure out what you call, what's the word for when mm-hmm. the youths dance quickly? Disco tech. <laughs> uh, my favorite, uh, there's, okay, so uh, neck breaking is one, yeah. frame up is one, dead woman with eyes open is one. <laughs> yeah, it is. My my favorite plot keyword of all of these is the word packing. <laughs> I just need to know who wrote it and what they meant. It's it's interesting, the movies that you get when you click the packing plot keyword. Mm-hmm. It's sort of all over the place. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, a lot, I mean, actually, a lot of horror movies. It's, you know, not... Not super shocking. Uh, 
I I am just fascinated by the level of horniness that people have when they log on to write plot keywords. Like, yeah, really nipples limitless. visible through clothing is so, <sighs> like, skin-crawlingly dude-in-a-basement horny. You know why it's bad is because her full nipples are out in a different scene. So, like, <laughs> just, just, like... Cut to the chase, but they're they're mm, 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 they're just savoring every bite. <laughs> like at one point they're not out yet, and then they're also not out yet. But you know they're there, and then they're there. <laughs> also, tied feet. Like there, there are a variety of tied things in this movie. Yeah, tied feet. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, feet feet like to pop up in keyword searches, don't they? They they sure do. Sure do. They sure do. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that, those are plot keywords. Those are good ones. Those uh, are a, a lot of standard issue plot keywords. And then you know, eyes dead woman eyes open, which does describe one of the best parts of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it is for sure <laughs> accurate. Uh, yeah. One one more accurate to say: Dead woman with eyes open, eyes closed, eyes open. Dead woman with eyes open describes the entire wife's character as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. That's not wrong. Uh, Well, that that was that was the movie. That was the movie. Uh, Um, (laughs) I know the answer, but I have to ask: If you were to be a character in this this lovely film. Well, yeah, I mean, I would the the hacker is is the the character that I I mean I just that level of omnipotence mm-hmm. I I really like. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that even comes close. Yeah. I'll I'll stick with the hacker. Is there I'll another redeemable character in this movie? Um, I mean, there isn't, but I like the imaginary character. I like his imaginary, yeah, the imaginary friend. Fine. He makes all the wrong choices, but he has a good heart. You know, I. I would say Julia Stiles if I remembered that she was in the movie. Right, I know. Yeah. It's they they throw her in at the most random times. You get like 2 to 3 minutes of Julia Stiles right at the top and then conservatively 30 seconds of her much later in the movie. Like why? How did if you're going to pull these big names and these like minor characters big names like where it's just peppered with real people. How did it happen? Yeah, it's I need answers. I, I want the juice. I think we can get your answers. Uh, apparently, this movie made in its opening weekend in the UK. Did you see this? Um, it made one hundred twenty-five dollars. <laughs> I thought that that was a misprint, and they meant one hundred twenty-five k. That's tight. It had a pretty limited theatrical release, though. I think it went it uh, have to to video on demand fairly quickly. I don't know if there's a, there wasn't a lot of trivia for this movie either. It just didn't make a lot of money, and that's about it. It's, it's just, frankly it's a bummer. I will right? say like, though that a lot of people reviewed it. Like this got seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is mm-hmm. really saying something when you see how many major publications actually spent the time to review it. Because a lot of times with these garbage like cheapo movies, no one really sees it, and that's why it gets a low rating. I mean, this had everybody. Everybody had something to say about it. Like, this is like yeah. a, a Roger Niebert, like The Guardian, like San Francisco Chronicle. Everyone chimed in with their really scathingly bad one-star review. Yeah, I appreciate the degree to which the critics just, like, went 
all in on how garbage this movie is. There was more than one comparison to The Room. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is, like, it's harsh, but also not harsh. Like, the plotting is not that dissimilar. It is comparably inexplicable. Yes. Uh, the, The acting is more watchable. Yeah, the acting is more of a real movie, and they definitely... I mean, the dialogue is a little better than The Room. I'll give it that. In, for parts of it, for sure. It's It's got a lot of those moments that sound like the Anthony Hopkins uh, speech, where if you mm-hmm. don't listen to the words, but you only listen to the cadence, you think, I am watching a movie. And then right. when you listen to the specifics, you're like, ooh, I think I might have, I think I might have uh, made a, an unfair judgment. This isn't really talking. This is just words on a page. Yeah. This this movie was just it was just nothing. What was the line again that uh, that Al Pacino reads where he says "is is"? Oh my god! It's so uh, funny. Any lawyer will tell you it doesn't matter what is; it's what is looks like. <laughs> that actually is the tagline for this movie. <laughs> uh. They probably thought they were making, like, Inception-level um, super twisty plot. Real mind-blowing. Yeah, a real it, noodle-scratcher. <laughs> it it blows, and it's got mind involved. Uh, things. I just have to, like, Al Pacino, you've done so many movies, you couldn't stop and be like, can we, can we rewrite this? Can we change this line that... I know how people are going to hear this, and it sounds like I don't know how to speak English. <laughs> I mean, it it really stinks of, we're getting this in one. Like, he <laughs> said it really weird, and maybe the continuity person or someone else was like, is that the way you want to say that? Maybe go back and reread, and he was like, absolutely not. not. I'm going printed. to lunch. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no time was spent here. But a lot of time was, I, I think more. a lot of time fucking, was spent yeah. um, on the writing portion, which is the part that sucks the hardest and bums me out the most. Yeah, I want an oral history of the scripting of this movie. Yeah, me too. I need someone to, I need someone with some dirt and some uh, strings they can pull to tell me how it happened, because I'm genuinely interested. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's an unsolved mystery. The... I really have respect for the people. There are three plot summaries on IMDb. I'm not going to read them because we've already gone over it. But there's two people that like tried to sum up what happened in this movie. And like there are, God, they're doing their best. Yeah. Like trying to make linear narrative sense of this. I I will read one okay, sentence. Okay, do it. Uh, the stranger was employed by the lawyer's boss to kill the lawyer's wife for the murder of the woman because the lawyer's boss works for the executive. <laughs> that The because didn't help, though. No, the, the, <laughs> the because is where it goes off the rails there. But in the defense, the person that wrote this, there is no because. There isn't a because. There just is, also is, also is, also is. <laughs> is, is. God. Yeah, if you, if you string together all the things that happened... You could definitely accurately describe what you have seen occur on screen, but any attempt at stringing them together with um, because is going to get real dicey real quick. Yeah, it does. Can't apply logic. There's, yeah, there's nothing to follow. There's no, yeah, there's nothing. 
Good stuff. Good <sighs> well, stuff. This fucking movie. This movie surprised me with how bad it was. I mean, it, when I saw the seven percent <laughs> review, I was like, but like the trailer didn't look that shitty, and I don't know. And then I started reading the reviews, and I was like, oh no. We're in for something, <laughs> and I immediately became the most amount of confused that I felt during any of our movie watches so far. Yeah, it. You're right. Like if you if you squint and don't pay close attention, this is a movie. Yeah. That this is a movie with a plot. Totally. If if you spend even the slightest bit of mental energy trying to make sense of it, it ceases to be a movie. Yeah. It it becomes a series. Of disconnected events. It's just little vignettes. It's like, and what if this? And what if this? And what if this? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like if they, it's like if uh, they had made the movie Crash, but didn't connect any of the characters really at the end. <laughs> so it was just. I liked this movie more than Crash. Yeah. To be in its defense, I think this movie got a more fair treatment than the movie Crash, in terms <laughs> of its reception. Mm-hmm. You know, Correct. I think that people Correct. saw it for what it was, and they did a good, good job identifying what that thing is. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <sighs> Boy. Well. Until next time. <laughs> I'll be Henry. I'll be Michelle. Experiment and fast forward into the future of acting. <laughs> <laughs>